You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. You're still in our All and Nothing series. We are doing a study on the book of Colossians. And uh, today we are on, already on our third week and we are discussing our fullness in Jesus Christ. Fullness in Christ. When I first saw this title, uh, it actually reminded me of uh, something that happened to me a couple of months back. You see, I'm the type of guy who doesn't really bring cash around. Uh, I end up losing it most of the time. I end up leaving it in the car. And uh, most of the time when, it, when people return it to me, uh, it's always wet. Uh, because I forget to take it out of my back pocket before putting my jeans in the laundry. So cash and body, it's really not a good combination. Uh, but what I do is uh, I carry my ATM debit card around with me all the time. It's more convenient. I don't have to worry about loose change. And uh, all I have to do when I need to purchase something is just uh, swipe. So uh, again, I don't bring cash. Uh, I was on my way to QC to pick up some stuff that we needed for our musical play. So I left the house, and uh, before I entered South Luzon Expressway, I decided to stop for gas. So I opened my wallet, and I realized that my ATM debit card was not there. I didn't have any cash to spend. And it's funny that I'm sharing it here in Akasha because I don't think you guys can relate to not having cash, can you? I'm just kidding. Uh, again, I, you're probably thinking, he's so kawawa, he's so poor. And well, actually, that was really what I felt that day. I felt so poor, I did not have money to spend. So I had a decision to make. Would I go back home to get my ATM debit card? Or would I just push through with my trip to QC not having any cash? So first thing I checked was the time. So when I looked at my watch, I realized that if I went back home, I would be late for my appointment and I would miss that golden window where there are not a lot of cars uh, in the highway. So I said, okay, then I'd probably just should go to QZ. The next thing I checked was my gas. So it looked like a pretty decent amount to get me to QC and get me back home. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'll just go to QC. So I decided to go to QC. Thank God my car had RFID. I did not have to worry about uh, the toll. Thank you, Dad, for loading it. I always forget to load my RFID. So, yeah, uh, I went to QC. Uh, to, the, the sad part is I haven't really had anything to eat that day. It was lunchtime. And, uh, well, uh, my head was already aching. And, uh, yeah, I was driving. Uh, I did not have money, so I decided not to have lunch that day. Okay, I did not decide I was forced not to have lunch that day because, again, I was poor. And uh, to make things worse, it was very hot. Uh, I checked my gas again. It looked like a decent amount, but just to be sure, I had to save uh, gas. So I decided to turn off my aircon and roll my windows down and go to QC air cool style. <laughs> so, yeah, it's funny looking back now, but I tell you, it was not the best trip I ever had. So not that I'm ranting, okay? I'm not ranting. I was thankful to God that I had the car that day. Thank you, Lord. So I went to QC. I was able to get the things that I needed. And I, uh, praise God, I was able to arrive home safely in one piece with gas to spare. So when I got home, I was so excited. I was able to eat. And uh, when I got to my room there, I saw my ATM debit card just uh, lying on my bed. 
not uh, aware of the horrific day I had because it decided to rest there. So uh, I got it, and as I was about to put it back in my wallet, I realized that in the panel where I usually keep my card, I actually hid cash just in case of an emergency. So I spent the whole day thinking I did not have cash, acting like a poor guy, uh, when all along the thing that I needed the most was already in my pocket. I just didn't know it was there. That's why I wasn't able to use it. So, I mean, it was so frustrating. And uh, looking back, it made me realize really that what we know and what we believe will determine the way that we live our lives. We could either live it uh, with enjoyment or we can live it miserably depending on what we know. And uh, I'm talking about the bigger picture here, guys. I'm not just talking about uh, not having lunch and the uh, convenience of air conditioning. I'm talking about our real life here. So how we live our life really depends on what we believe, our faith. So my question for you guys today is, do you really know, do we really know the fullness of what we have received in Jesus Christ? I mean, uh, was it just salvation or uh, did we receive a special power to levitate or uh, did we get abs? Uh, we wish. Uh, when we received Jesus, do we really know? So that is the question that we need to ask because ignorance of what we fully have in Jesus can keep us from living the victorious lives that he has purchased for us on the cross. And not only that, not knowing what we have can lead us to put putting our faith and our trust in other people or in other things apart from Jesus and from his finished work on the cross. And uh, that is a very dangerous path to take, I tell you. And that was really what, uh, what alarmed Paul when he decided to write this letter to the church in Colossae. He was simply reminding them that Christ's work is all sufficient and nothing else can be added to it. This is the recurring theme in the book of Colossians. That's why this series is entitled All and Nothing. Jesus already accomplished all that we need for salvation, and there is nothing really that we can add to it. The text that we are going to study today is no different from uh, what Paul was saying the past uh, two weeks, but uh, he decides to focus on a different light today. So uh, I'm really excited. Uh, we are going to read from the book of Colossians once again. I'd like to invite everyone to rise as we read from Colossians 2, verse 6 to 15. This is quite a lengthy read, but I assure you that it will be well worth it. it will, I liken it to uh, finding a treasure, hidden treasure in your backyard. So let's read Colossians 2, verse 6 to 15. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. 
This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Whew. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the lives that we have in you. Thank you that in you we are alive. Thank you for your sacrifice. And God, we thank you that your word is alive and it continues to direct us to the path that we are a, really should take to the victorious lives that you have promised for us. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now. Be our teacher. Open our hearts and open our minds. That way we would be able to really get the heart of your message for us today. Bless me, O Lord God. Anoint me as I preach your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may all be seated now. So again, we're still on our series, All and Nothing. And uh, the text was quite lengthy again, but it was really packed with uh, theology, and I can't wait to really uh, just examine uh, the treasure that we found in that passage. Uh, but again, just like the past two weeks, Paul was simply just stressing and proclaiming who Jesus Christ really is, the person of Jesus Christ, and uh, his ability to save all of mankind, just like a superhero. And uh, again, he opened the issue of the false teachings that were going around uh, the Colossian church. And uh, still, he decides to play good cop. He decides to respond to it in a positive way. Instead of calling out the false teachers one by one, uh, Paul simply decided to just present the case of Jesus Christ, present what he really did on the cross. And uh, he believed that by clarifying that, it would disprove all of the false teachings that were going around all in one sweep. So this week, in this passage, Paul decided to focus on the fullness, really, that we received and we have in Jesus Christ. So Paul begins with an encouragement for the church. He says, As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So Paul was simply telling them, go back to what you were taught about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus lived the life that we should have lived, and He took our sins on the cross. He died the death that was supposedly for us. He was buried, and on the third day, He was raised again, giving us forgiveness of sins and eternal life. That was the foundation of the faith of the Colossian church. And Paul was simply saying, go back to Jesus. Go back to Jesus, just focus on that, and everything that you do should stem from that fact, and everything that you believe should be founded on that fact. And then, again, Paul warns them against the false teachings that were going around the city of Colossae. You see, it was really a small city, but it was right in the Roman highway. So this, this people had their share of uh, travelers, traders, tourists. And you know, in a small city, when something new pops up, everyone knows about it, and everyone would be curious about it. And in this case, there was a new church in town. So naturally, the tourists and the people would be asking, hey, what's that church? Who do they worship? What do they believe in? And when they heard that the Colossian church believed in that we are saved by grace through faith and not according to our works, of course, some of them were really appalled and shocked because they had a different belief system. So they started sharing what they believed in. Among these false doctrines were uh, just the promotion of gaining salvation by our own good works. They're saying that the Judaistic rituals in the Old Testament were still a requirement for us, even up to now, to get salvation, the circumcision, baptism, 
staying away from certain food and drink so that we can become pure. And uh, there was even talk about angel worship and a lot of other things. And Paul told them, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So Paul was saying, if the teachings that you are hearing are, are shifting your focus from Jesus and his finished work on the cross, then most probably it is a wrong doctrine. So Paul was saying, the only way that you can discern what is real from what is not is if you go back to Jesus Christ. If you know him, then you would know what is true. No Christ, no salvation. No Christ, no salvation. We know what we are to believe if we walk with Jesus every single day. And then after that, Paul continues to declare who Jesus Christ really is, the fullness of the person of Jesus Christ. So in Colossians 2 verse 9, he says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. It's a short statement. The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, but it is a powerful statement. It is backed. Why? This, here Paul was declaring that Jesus was not merely man, just like what the other religions or people were claiming, that he was just a man, that he was just a prophet. Here, Paul declares that the fullness of deity or the fullness of God dwelled in Jesus Christ. He is 100% God and 100% man. And that's something that we need to understand because our fullness is anchored on the fullness of Jesus Christ. So we need to understand the fullness that he has. And as Pastor A discussed last week, Jesus was not created by God. He is creator God himself. So he needed to be fully man and fully God because he needed to, to be fully both parties so that he could reconcile man with God. Let's look at it this way. If I was a Filipino who could only speak Filipino, and I needed to talk to a Chinese man who could only speak Chinese. The person who would mediate or would translate for us should be a person who could speak fluent Filipino and fluent Chinese. So same thing for Jesus to be able to reconcile man to God, he needed to be fully man and fully God. So that was Paul's declaration. And uh, again, because he was complete, he was also the only one who was able to complete the requirements of man for salvation. You see, we needed a sacrifice that was holy, that was pure and blameless. And I don't think any one of us or anyone in the world can claim to be that. So Jesus needed to be God because he needed to be holy, righteous, and blameless. But at the same time, he needed to be man because he needed to have a body that would be offered. So that's when we see that because of his fullness, because of his, his completeness, that was the only way that he was able really to do all of the things that are required for salvation. And when we received Jesus in our lives, it was like receiving or it was like we took part in what he already did. That was what happened. That is why I'm saying that our fullness is really anchored on the fullness of Jesus Christ and his finished work. Jesus in his fullness completed all that is needed for salvation. And then Paul goes on in Colossians 2 verse 10. He says that this, this complete Jesus, we have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and all authority. It's quite interesting as I was reading this verse, I was thinking why did Paul use filled in him and not filled with him? 
So the way I see it, take the, the case of a donut, for example. Uh, a donut that is filled with strawberry, the strawberry is inside. You still see the donut. But when a donut is filled in strawberry, it is filled on the inside and it is dipped in strawberry so that you see the strawberry on the outside. There's no longer a strawberry-filled donut. It is a strawberry donut. That is what happened when we received Jesus Christ. We were not only filled with Him, we were filled in Him. We were enveloped by Him. So now, when, when Christ sees us, what He sees is the blood of Jesus Christ that is covering us. So in essence, everything that we discussed a while ago, Jesus living the life that we should live, when we received Him, it is like we already took part in that. It was transferred to us. And when he, when he went to the cross to die for our sins, it is like we were nailed on the cross as well. And when he was buried and he was raised again, it is like we were buried and we were raised again. That is why we are saying that the fullness of salvation, all that we really need is to believe in Jesus Christ. There is nothing else left for us to do. Union with Jesus is really all that we need for salvation and nothing else. So when we received Jesus, we really received everything that would uh, help us enter heaven and at the same time live victorious lives in this world. I believe that it's really crucial that we know the fullness of what we received because a lot of Christians these days, they stop at salvation. I received Jesus Christ. I am saved. They think salvation is just uh, a ticket that we will use at the end of our lives here in the world and something that we will give, hey, I will enter heaven. But what happens in the world? all depends on us. We receive Jesus Christ, we are in Him, but we still continue living our lives as if we were alone. So again, without the knowledge of what we really received, we received more than salvation on the cross. We received every single thing that we will need for a victorious life. And if we do not know that, then again, ignorance will keep us from the victorious lives that Jesus Christ has promised for us. So today, we will be discussing the spiritual fullness that we have in Jesus Christ. We are alive in Christ, we are forgiven in Christ, and we are triumphant in Christ. We will start with alive in Christ. I think before we could appreciate what we have in Jesus, the question that begs to be asked is, why do I need Jesus? Was I incomplete before him? I mean, I was living my life. I was enjoying. Uh, I was having fun with my friends and my family without him. I was alive. I was clearly not dead. We have to understand our state before Jesus. Of course, we have a body, but we also have a spirit. And our spirit, apart from Jesus Christ, it is dead apart from God because God is the giver of life. Yes, we may have life in our physical bodies, but inside Apart from God, we are dead. Our spirits are dead. And that is because of the sin that is in between us. We created a wall that separated us from God. And so we are really spiritual dead apart from Him. Second, we are condemned. We are fresh from our series uh, 10, the Ten Commandments. And from there, we really saw how we have broken each and every law, one after the other, and no one can really claim that uh, they are perfect. We have all sinned, and we know that when you sin, you are destined to die, not only in this world, but you are destined for an eternal death, which means we are going to hell because of our sins. And third, the biggest problem out of all these things, even if we want to be good, 
The problem is our sinful nature. We are slaves to sin. And this sinful nature is something that we inherited from Adam. The moment uh, that they partook of that fruit that was not supposed to be eaten, sin entered this world. And since all of us came from Adam, we inherited that sinful nature that he had. We are all predisposed to sin. I, I believe we can see that in children. We don't teach children to sin, but uh, when they reach a certain age, they start lying and uh, they start hurting other kids, <laughs> your friend's kids or whatnot. But yeah, we see that we really have that sinful nature and we can't help it. We sin because of that. And that is all apart from God. That is why we praise Him because we are really worthless. We are really hopeless beings apart from God. That is why we are thankful for His grace. He sent Jesus Christ to solve all of those problems for us. So there's no need for us to solve it on our own. And when you think about it, how can a dead person bring himself to life? A dead person really can't do anything but lie down there and just, uh, I don't know, lie down. And uh, we can't uh, look at other people to give us life as well because, again, other people are dead in their sins as well. So we really need God to give us life. And that is what we have in Jesus Christ. So we, one, we are alive in Christ. In verses 11 and 12, Paul says, In him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Paul used some interesting words here. You would see this uh, just as some sort of an explanation, but I would say it was a subtle rebuttal to those people who were claiming that circumcision and baptism are requirements for our salvation. Here, he clears out that these things were already achieved by Jesus Christ for us and that when we received him, in essence, we already accomplished these things. Why are we dead? We are dead according to verse 13, in our trespasses and the uncircumcision of our flesh. So again, as I mentioned a while ago, uh, our trespasses are the sins that we have committed. And the uncircumcision of our flesh is our sinful nature. That is why we are dead. So Paul first said here, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. I believe to fully understand this, we have to go back to the origin of circumcision, which was in the Old Testament. It was uh, actually a symbol of uh, God's covenant with Abraham to bless him and to bless all of his descendants. So the cutting off of the flesh was something that they did so that man could appear before God, quote-unquote, pure. They were cutting off the flesh. And uh, now that Jesus Christ already came, we understand that the physical circumcision is just a shadow or a symbol of the reality that we will have in Jesus Christ. Because what really needs to be cut off is our sinful nature. Therefore, it is not a circumcision that should be done physically because what needs to be circumcised is our hearts because that is where the sinful nature is. And uh, I believe that uh, all the men would agree here that uh, cutting off uh, the flesh physically does not get rid of our sinful nature. I will not even get into the details of that, but I'm sure that you guys will agree with me. What we really need is a circumcision of our hearts. When Jesus Christ was nailed on that cross, again, he took our sinful nature with him. Our union in Christ, it is like we were one with him. So our sinful nature was nailed on the cross, and when he was buried, 
It was like our sinful nature was buried as well. And when he was raised from the dead, we were raised from the dead as well with a new nature. Cut off na yung sinful nature natin. It was buried already. So, in essence, we don't need to undergo physical circumcision as a requirement for salvation because the true circumcision we received in Jesus Christ. Paul also likened what happened to baptism. Now, we all know that baptism is really special. It's a way we celebrate the new life that we have in Jesus Christ. But the question is, is it a requirement for salvation? Water baptism isn't. But the baptism that we receive in Jesus Christ, that is what uh, we really need. It says here, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith. So what happens when we get baptized? What's the whole uh, thought process behind it? When we were immersed in the water, it is like uh, we were buried as well. And when we emerge from it, it is like we are leaving our own sinful nature behind, just welcoming the new life that we have in Jesus Christ. Let's not get so caught up in religious rituals or acts. Let us focus on what Jesus Christ has already done. And again, it is already complete and we are not to add anything to it. When you hear um, things like that, uh, I, I would really say uh, that we should not fall for religion. Let us fall for Jesus Christ. And Paul uh, writes in verse 17, these circumcision and baptism are just a shadow of the things to come, but the substance really belongs to Jesus Christ. And now that we have received him, it says in Galatians 5.24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And the beautiful thing about this is that Jesus did not only cut off our sinful nature, he did not only stop what we used to do before, he actually gave us a new heart and a new spirit that would be willing, that would joyfully obey him. We find that in Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27, it is something that he promised, and we know that we have now received this in Jesus Christ. And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. In Christ, we have a new life, a new heart, and a new spirit. And I think it's very important for us to really know and understand and believe this truth. Because to be honest, uh, I fall into the dangerous trap of thinking that I still had my sinful nature in me even after I accepted Jesus Christ. I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, my parents got saved in the early 80s. Uh, and uh, as far as I could remember, we were already attending Christian churches. I went to Christian schools and uh, I attended Sunday school. So I knew that I was saved in Jesus Christ. But that was as far as it went. Uh, I, did not know, I did not know about this thing. So as I was growing up, uh, I, I, I was kind of struggling and still uh, trying to really please God, thinking that I can work uh, my way to proving my worthiness so that he would save me. But then again, uh, that, was not, that should not have been the case. And uh, I ended up continuing living in sin because I had that excuse that, hey, I'm only human, I will sin. So every time I'm faced with a temptation, 
uh, the temptation is there. And I, I know that in that moment, I would be able to say no. But then there was that argument that the enemy would put in my mind. You could say no now, but come on, you're only human. You will sin. You will say yes to this eventually. So why not do it now? So ignorance of this made me continue living in that life. And this is really a mind-blowing fact for me because now I know that we have the power to say no because our sinful nature is not in us anymore. We are no longer slaves to sin. We can pursue the righteousness that has been given by, by Jesus Christ. Second, we are forgiven in Christ. Okay, I have a new nature, I have a new life, but wait, I still have sins and uh, someone has to pay for that because if those sins... Uh, are unpaid, then uh, I would still die eventually. So we are forgiven in Christ. It says in verse 13 and 14, and you who were dead in your trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So we have a record of debt in heaven. I don't know how thick your record is. Uh, I couldn't imagine how thick mine is. So uh, I don't know how they keep it there. But yeah, every sin that we commit, we have a record there. And if we were to go into court, maybe after, uh, after they deliberate what really the punishment that we, need, uh, we, we should receive is, maybe we, we, we would be required to die multiple times. I don't know how that will happen. Uh, but yeah, with all the thickness of our record. But it says here that uh, when we received Jesus Christ, again, we were one with him when he went to the cross. He took all of our sins with him. In essence, all of our sins have already been paid for. Now, a lot of us Christians... Uh, receive that forgiveness in Jesus Christ, but for some reason, we have that mindset that we have to continue uh, working for our forgiveness. We do this by um, good works or by attending church service or by uh, some people even uh, reach the point where they crucify themselves. Uh, I don't know what they get out of that. Again, the, the payment should be death. They don't die. They just hurt themselves. So yeah, we, we, we receive it, but then we end up paying for it. Maybe it's because we don't understand the kind of forgiveness that God has given us through Jesus Christ. Maybe we're looking at forgiveness in the lens of human beings where, okay, I forgive you now, but I will make sure that I will remind you of this sin every single day. Right, husbands? I'm kidding, wives. Uh, I am sure that the wives here in Victory Alabang don't do that anymore starting now. So yeah, we, we should really understand the kind of forgiveness that we receive in Jesus Christ. And in Colossians uh, 13 and 14, it says there, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Redemption meaning all of our sins have already been paid for. So in Jesus Christ, we receive total forgiveness. And I'm talking about the sins that you have committed before, even the sins that you are committing now and the sins that you will be committing. Jesus already paid for it on the cross. All we need to do is come humbly before him with a repent repentant heart uh, in order to be able to receive our forgiveness by faith as well. So we receive a total forgiveness from him. In Psalm 103 verse 12, such a beautiful verse, it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. 
So no matter how big your sin is, and he does not only forgive it, he takes it out of you, he purifies and cleanses you. So one, we receive a total forgiveness, and we also receive absolute forgiveness from Jesus Christ. And finally, Isaiah 43, 25, it says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And this is something that we should always remember. And I will not remember your sins. A lot of us receive forgiveness, but we continue to live in the guilt and the shame and the condemnation of our sins that we have done over the years. Here Jesus said that once I forgive you, I will forget them. So this is such a wonderful truth that we really need to meditate on, that we need to remind ourselves of every day. I mean, every Sunday we discuss the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. It is something that we study almost every day. It, it is something that we receive every day. Now, why, why does Paul keep repeating it in this book? Well, for one, because it is such a wonderful truth. And second, because we are so forgetful. So we should remember in Christ, we are totally absolutely and permanently forgiven. Can we give God praise for that? We really need to understand this truth because the enemy, he will do everything, and I mean everything, to keep you from living the victorious life that Jesus has purchased for us. And part of his schemes, as Pastor Rain shared a while ago, is really to steal, kill, and to destroy. And he wants to steal the confidence that we have in Jesus. He wants to steal the joy that we have in, in Jesus Christ. That's why what he does is he constantly reminds us of the things that we have done before, therefore making us feel uh, guilty, making us feel unworthy, and then it will uh, really uh, make us revert to working again for the uh, acceptance of, of God, uh, and it, 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 it really just is a total waste of time because, again, we are, we are paying for something that has already been paid for. It is like uh, me trying to pay for uh, a car that my dad has already given me, which he hasn't yet, but... <laughs> so, yeah, uh, in theory, if he has given me a car, then I shouldn't pay for it. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, in Christ, we are totally, absolutely, and permanently forgiven. And now that we know all of these things, now that we, have, uh, we know this, this truth, again, we said what we know and what we believe will determine the way we live our lives. So we know it. It is now up to us to believe it. We receive it just as we receive Jesus Christ by faith. We receive the new lives that we have in faith. We receive the forgiveness in him by faith. And knowing all this truth, then the lies of the enemy will not prosper against us anymore. We are triumphant in Jesus Christ. It says in Colossians 2.15, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Again, it is interesting uh, that Paul used in him, he was actually referring to the sacrifice on the cross. But again, in this particular passage, he was highlighting the person of Jesus Christ and his finished work. That is why he said, triumphing over them in him. And uh, can you just imagine this uh, for a second? Imagine the enemy, his whole goal is really to stop Jesus Christ from fulfilling that sacrifice or that mission that was set out for him. Because again, if Jesus Christ... Uh, succeeds, then 
we will have that ticket to heaven. So it was really his goal to make Jesus Christ uh, fail in his attempt. So can you imagine this? The moment that Jesus Christ was nailed on the cross and he died, can you imagine the party that they had in hell? I mean, they were really probably dancing, the, the, the enemy with all of his minions. Of course, they wouldn't be yellow, they would be red. But, you know, they were really partying and just like, yeah, we won the victory, come on! And uh, imagine they had three days to do that. It was really a, it, it should have been a fun party for them. But then they were put to shame when on the third day, Jesus raised from the dead. Can we give God praise for that? So imagine loud music, everyone was jumping and screaming, and then all of a sudden the news comes, Jesus is alive. What have we been celebrating the past three days? So they were put to shame. They thought they won, but when Jesus Christ was resurrected, he proved that truly nothing can keep him, and no power is more powerful than the power that he had inside of him. Come on, let's give God praise for that. And now that we know all of these truths, the fullness really of what we received in Jesus Christ, I mean, we have received a lot of other things and we will continue to, to um, know about that again as we continue to enjoy our relationship with Jesus Christ. But these crucial truths really gives us the victory that we need over the enemy because his, his weapon against us are the lies, are the lies. But now, when he reminds us of the sins that we have committed in the past, we can easily say, hey, there's no use remembering that because God forgot about that already. He will not hold it against me. Imagine this, every time that he tries to remind you of the sinful nature that you have so that you would commit sin, you will say, when I received Jesus Christ, that sinful nature was cut off already. And here's the beauty of everything even more than salvation, the, the challenges that we face each and every single day, the, the challenges, the trials that we try to conquer with our own strength, remember that you are filled in Jesus Christ. You are surrounded by Him. You are filled in Him. That is why stop using your own power. Use the power, the complete, the full power that was made available to us when we were united with Him. In Christ, we are completely alive, we are completely forgiven, completely triumphant, completely saved. Give God praise for that. Come on. All of these things and so much more when we receive Jesus Christ in our hearts. So let us remember, God is not looking at us anymore. When, when, when we talk about salvation, so why will we look at ourselves? Let us focus on Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. And imagine this, he, Jesus already completed everything. What is left for us to do? All that's left for us to do is receive that and believe that truth and live out that truth. We live it out so that we could honor him and really express our gratitude. I'm sure that we are all grateful for what we have received in him. And the only way to really express our gratitude is to live lives that are honoring to him, to live lives that, that are pleasing to him. And not only that, it does not stop with ourselves. We are to live lives sharing this truth to other people so that in, in return, Jesus would be able to give them life as well. The fullness of everything that we need is already in Jesus Christ. 
Some of us here might be struggling with uh, uh, financial problems. I encourage you right now, claim that provision in Jesus Christ. He provided for everything that we will ever need, not only with a little amount, but completely and in abundance. And for those of us here who are uh, probably uh, battling a sickness, again, hold on and know what you have received in Jesus Christ through the cross. He did not only nail your sins to the cross, He nailed all of our infirmities, all of our sicknesses there. So today, you can claim your healing. All you need to know to do is to know and to believe that you have it in Him. For all of us here who are uh, praying for uh, a broken relationship to be uh, restored, you can claim that in Jesus Christ. Declare His love to be in that relationship. He is a God who restores and a lot of other problems that we experience. Again, all we need in this life is Jesus Christ. Now we know that truth. Now we believe that truth. Now let us live out that truth. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for your perfect and complete sacrifice and we thank you for reminding us today that although we are unworthy you have given us the opportunity to just receive the fullness of your blessings and all we have to do is really to surrender to you and right now Lord God a lot of us here probably have spent the past few years relying on our own strength not knowing what we have Thank you right now that you're empowering us and giving us wisdom to apply this in our daily lives. And Lord, right this very moment, oh Lord God, we, we desire nothing else but really to worship you and to praise you and to express our thanksgiving to you. So right now, I would just like to request everyone, invite everyone to stand up as we express our gratitude to Jesus Christ and as we declare the new lives that we have received from him. Let us all continue to be in the spirit of worship. Can we, I just uh, request everyone to just bow down their heads and close their eyes. You know, maybe there are some of us here who are saying, I want to experience that fullness in Jesus Christ. I want Jesus to be part of my life. I want to be filled in Him. The key to our fullness is full surrender to Jesus Christ. That is why if you want to experience that fullness right now, with all heads bowed down and all eyes closed, if you want to invite Jesus Christ in your life right now, if you want to surrender your life to Him, I'd just like to invite you to raise your hand right now. Thank you for that hand. Again, the Lord is knocking on the door of your heart right now. Let us not make him wait. Tomorrow may be a day too late. And this is a decision that only you can make for yourself. And it, it, we need to invite him in our hearts. So if you want to invite Jesus in your heart right now, can you just raise your hand right now? Praise God. You can put your hands down now. And if you raised your hand, I would like to invite you to say this prayer with me right now. Actually, why don't we all join them in this prayer? Repeat after me, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your love for a sinner like me. I ask for forgiveness for my sins. And now I receive the salvation that only comes from you. 
and the forgiveness that comes from you. I believe that you died and rose again from the dead. And right now, I receive the eternal life that only you can give. Thank you so much. You can, uh, you can stop uh, repeating now. Uh, Lord Jesus, once again, we thank you for the fullness that we have in you. And right now, we are not only full as people, but we are also filled with the knowledge of you and what you have done for us. And I pray that you uh, really just fill us with your Holy Spirit as well, that we may be reminded of this every day, every moment, and every situation that we are in our lives. And uh, right now, Lord God, I ask you to continue to bless your people even as we uh, part ways today. You can just uh, lift up your hands right now as you receive this blessing from Jesus. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. God bless everyone. See you next week for the continuation of our All in Nothing series.